It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross-politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. Our little board is acting up. Every time I push it, another clip plays, but I that's keep, okay. I keep w wanting it to say, uh, welcome back, welcome back, <laughs> welcome back. I don't know. Hey, welcome to Cross Politics. Chocolate Knox here, Pastor Toby, and Gabe the Water Boy is actually in Tennessee right now. Uh, actually, he's just a little bit shorter and a little less Texan. Yeah, uh -huh. Keith Darrell's feeling him. Feeling him. Thank you for being on the show, Keith. Glad to be on. Yeah. yeah, always good to have you, man. All right. So this new year, we want to invite you to join our mission, fight against an evil culture through print media with our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. By using this form of media, we can continue to spread the good news of the rowdy Christian lifestyle. I still don't like that word. While tech <laughs> giants try to shut down our avenues to deliver the truth to you. We want to deliver theologically driven cultural commentary from faithful and heavy hitting authors right to your door. Psalms to sing, recipes for feasting, humor to encourage belly laughs, all to the glory of God. Sign up your church, your grumpy uncle, the newer Pope, <laughs> Elon Musk, and your kids, even if they're not baptized. Platinum Club members, you get a magazine subscription for free. So if you're not yet a club member, sign up today. Four issues, $60 per year, unless your Platinum Club member get it for free. Go to FightLaughFeast.com right now and get yourself an annual subscription. Mm. So Gabe's not in town, so I'm hosting. So I get to design the show without Gabe being here and Pastor Tobe, you came in late, so then you guys are stuck with whatever show that I, I kind of have. I'm, I'm excited, and I wanted I wanted to kind of do things a little different. I want to have a conversation, but I want to build it around three different clips. Okay, now three different clips that don't seem like they belong together, but they do. Okay, the first clip. So our job is to figure out what, what connects them. What's <laughs> yeah, the common thread? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the connecting, but yeah, you can figure out. Jump in there if you think you can figure it out, and we'll we'll talk about. We the have clips like too. buzzers, and Keith, if you get it first, but get a buzzer buzz in. and buzz yeah, in. Don't you touch this? Thing. <laughs> um, 
But the, the first, yeah, right. He'll <laughs> start playing. Back. Um, the first clip is a clip that you know trans sports, or should I say, women's sports, are getting taken over by men dr- claiming to be women and right. jumping in their sports. Right. Well, the Independent Council of Women's Sports, called Icon, also mm-hmm. they went and handed this um, potential lawsuit, or I don't know, threat, th- threat <laughs> to the NCAA. Real nice, like. Guys, we, we, we have something for you. You're discriminating. You keep it up and we'll sue you. So this is a clip I wanted to play for you of them walking up to the building. You can go ahead and play it. There's no sound here. That's a bold move. You can't really hear the audio, but basically say we've tried to get to you. We've tried to talk to you and discuss things with you. You wouldn't listen. And this is our, our last appeal to try and get to you. Okay. And so... Is there a petition? This, they, they've actually had a petition signed. Yeah, yeah. there's a petition. Yeah. I don't know how big it is or how many people signed it. The crowd doesn't look that large. Right. But they're trying. And I looked at their Twitter handle. They only have like 2,700 people on their Twitter handle. Okay. But they're trying, right? And, and what's their definition of discrimination? Like, what's their angle? They're, they're, just, they're, they're saying man playing in women's sports. Okay. Trans men. They want to keep... Men, biological, biological men, men mm-hmm. outside of their sports, and you putting men inside of our sports is discrimination. If you don't protect us or stop, we'll sue you. We're gonna take we'll take us to the courts. That's right. Okay. So that's the first clip. The okay. second clip, okay. everybody's been talking about. CNN recently broke the story about potential gas stoves mm-hmm. not being in your home anymore. Oh. Could soon get 86th from kitchens across the country going forward. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner is considering a ban on the appliances for new builds. Uh, it says those appliances can be a source of indoor pollution, sometimes linked to childhood asthma. So there's a study out last month which found indoor gas stove use and the pollutants that come with it are tied to an increased risk of asthma in children. CNN chief climate correspondent Bill Ware is here. So uh, people are up in arms over this. There seems to be this sense that I'm going to take that stove out of your kitchen, which is not exactly what's happening. But it speaks to the emotion yeah. of food <laughs> and how we prepare it. No, 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 stop. Hold on. Styles. No, no. And no. this is a hundred years. Stop. No, this has not. He said it speaks to the emotion of food and how we prepare it. Yeah. No, it no. speaks to what you think you I should have in my home get or not. Out of my house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why do you care what we do in the kitchen? I, and why are they going after the kids? It's funny. Like, oh, the studies show that kids. Do you know abortion yeah. kills kids too? Y'all ain't had none of those studies. Yeah. <laughs> so they, we, maybe we should outlaw abortion because it know, hurts kids. But you know, the government has been in our house for decades. That's exactly right. And so he's not wrong in the sense of like, why don't people, why aren't people up in arms that you already have the government in there telling you? I mean, I've told. I, I mean, think you flush I, your toilet, I, the government's involved. I think, <laughs> I, I think stop it. <laughs> Actually, true. speaking of toilets, I think I told this story on the show, but when we were building our house, the one major change, like, there are two major changes, but one of the changes that the building inspector said we had to do was said in one of our bathrooms the toilet was too close to the sink and we actually had oh, to move two wow. walls because oh. it was they were too close oh and uh, did you know those walls are regulated by the government too that's what i'm saying <laughs> but but that's what i'm saying he's not wrong because yeah. why is it that you suddenly have people up in arms right they're telling you how to build your house now mm-hmm, they're right. in your house now yeah. Um, and why is everybody up in arms now? Well, now because it's, it's getting kind of close to comfort. It's, it's my food. Now, you, yeah. 
So, I mean, I mean that's wrong. Yeah, but he's not yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, it's ultimately a temporary thing. I remember in the '90s when uh, they started going after the butter popcorn at movies and stuff like that, and so they what? changed all the and even like McDonald's, the fat they they uh, oh, yeah. were able to uh, put the fries in, and so you just have this gradual evolution where it's just every nook and cranny of our being they're just taking over. It's right. always in the name of health. It's always in the name right. of children. That, right. that was yeah. the other thing too. I want to say about this clip, and then we'll go to the next clip. But the thing that that's really interesting is how that no matter there used to be studies and people would do studies about what was good and what was bad but it didn't always feel like that it had to be something that the government needed to do in order like it wasn't in the federal government it wasn't in government to do it was like okay you can make it the decision i remember yeah. being a kid right. all kinds of studies S- were some out some scientific group yeah. did a study and oh that's an interesting information right but that didn't go straight to the government for them to decide like now what are we going to do with this but now gas stoves are political right all of a sudden, whatever happens in a study, it matters, and the gas stove could be taken away from you, and the federal government can mandate it. Right. Like that is all the power is in one place. It wasn't always like that. It didn't feel like it was always like that. It felt like we had a lot more freedom. So that's that's. Do whole, we need to finish that clip? No. Or no? The, that's well, enough. the only thing that's said in this clip, which okay. is really interesting, is that if they're going to take gas stoves or have a problem with gas, they're probably going to take gas heating for homes too. Oh. And you know it doesn't. And so they have a ban on. You know, gas stoves, but there are also some states now, which is what Republicans do well, is put a ban on the banning of gas stoves. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You know, that's yeah. what we do. That's right. that's that's as big yeah. as our imagination gets. It's like, yeah, yeah let people okay. decide. You know? All right, all right. So NCAA, NCAA sports, gas, gas stoves, and get ready. Hold on to What's your the horse. connection. This Keith? this one <laughs> <laughs> this next one's gonna break your heart. Or have my breast back. A reconstruction will do nothing for me and it might make things worse actually because I'm I've I've had some complications pop up this year with the grafts. They I have to cover them up, them up with bandages or else they they'll I don't know what's going on with them. I tried to consult my surgeon about it and he didn't really didn't really didn't really investigate. He gave me advice that made my the complications worse even and actually temporarily gave me an infection but I have to wear, I have to bandage up every day so that it doesn't like leak all over my clothing or bedding. Hold on one second. Okay. I want to drop you in this just because it's, it's like a cold plunge. It's a shocker. Mm. Jordan Peterson interviewed a person who's transitioning back now from transition. So this really is a woman. This is a woman who went to be a man, got her breast cut off. At 16. She was at 16. 16. Believe what the doctors had told her. That this would be better for you. This would fix all your dysphoria. Everything about that. Right. Now she's, and she now says, she's. I'm, I'm, I want to be a woman. I want to yeah, be what God made me to be. It didn't work. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I want to be what God made me to be. And I'm having a problem going back to being normal. Right. And. Jesus. From the. From the. The hormones and blockers. Um, I've been experiencing some joint pains, mainly in my my arms, my legs, and my back. And uh, yep. I I still have issues with my my urinary tract. I have to use the restroom pretty frequently, and I didn't even know that this was possible. This is like a pretty huge quality of life issue that I'm experiencing, and mm. I'm just. I'm just not really getting any help for it. And on top of that, I'm I do I do hate to speak about it, but I'm experiencing sexual dysfunction at the age of 18. That's something that women usually go through when when they're in their 40s to 50s. Mm. 
right? Right? How is I supposed to know? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh -huh. It's hard to watch. Wow. Um, and the reality of that is devastating. Right. So go ahead, Steve. I was just, I was, it's Steve. Keith. I, I can't. I was going to make a joke. I was like, I can't follow that up with a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, what's no. a common denominator between yeah. three things? Just like, man, it's, it's gutting. So, it is gutting. The thing, yeah. so the, the reason, you know, we go through a lot of news and a lot of media here constantly, every day. And there's, you know, this is still the beginning of the year for us. And I've been looking at all the media and I was like, you know what? It hit me today. I wouldn't have thought 20 years ago, you go back 20 years, where, where were you at? I mean, think about 20 years, 9-11 is a, the marker I, I can think about right now, okay. right? I wouldn't have thought January of 9-11, uh, that year of 9-11, I wouldn't have thought that year that 20 years from now, we'd be dealing with men cross-dressing, playing in women's sports, and women having to fight without men <laughs> to get them out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought 20 years ago that we'd be worrying about whether or not the government is going to allow us to have gas stoves in our homes and the re reality of them coming to take them away and creating a new order that you can't even make gas stoves, terrifying the economy for people who make gas stoves and all the equipment. That's, that's amazing. The control of the government, I would have never thought that that was the case. And I would have never, ever thought at that time that we would have women transitioning set by surgery to become men, you know, and and trying to get back and can't get back. I wouldn't have thought that would have been our battle. Yeah. And, and so, you know, one of the things I was thinking about on Twitter, I was asking, is like, if, if we would have thought and worked, you know, <laughs> to say, okay, what are some of the things that we'd be facing in the future and actually weren't complacent in our engagement, what kind of world would we have, you know, curved ourselves from having to deal with right now? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, wait a second. Where are we at right now? Mm-hmm. And are we thinking about the kind of world that will come if we continue to be complacent? Mm -hmm. What kind of problems? Just thinking about this, Pastor, you're going to have people who are coming to your church now, especially coming in the next 20 years, what's going on, where a man has transitioned to be a woman and is rejects that and God saved him. And you got to right. figure out physically what to do. How could right. we are? It's in a new place. Oh, yeah. It's in a new place. And that's just one of the things that we have to deal with. And it hit me that somebody has been thinking about this already and been crafting this kind of world, right? Somebody's been this thinking messed up this world. messed up world. Yeah. They have been thinking about this. You think about what's going on with uh, Klaus Schwab and what's going on with the World Economic Forum. They are not waiting for somebody to act on them. They're acting mm -hmm. and they're trying to, they will fail. Don't, they, they, don't, ha they have a vision. They have mm -hmm. a vision for the world. They have an eschatology for it and they're working towards it. They mm -hmm. really are. Yeah. And it, so... There's this book called um, Looking Backwards, and it's by Edward Bellamy, and it was written in 1986, and it's looking backward. 18. I'm sorry. Thank you. It was <laughs> written in 1886, and it's, it's looking backward from 2000 to 1886, and this basically is a novel that started, um, gave communists this utopian hope. So when they wanted to become communists, they would hand them this book, say, read this book. And this guy in this book is in his basement, and somehow he gets in the chamber, and he's, he gets in this chamber, and he comes back from, he's in 2000, from okay. 1887. Okay. And he wakes up in this utopian um, communist world, socialist world exists. And he's like, how did this happen? And they walk him back. Oh, interesting. This long march through the institutions, which is where this line comes from, how they got to this utopian world. Did it have um, 
women with their breasts <laughs> chopped off? I no, finished. that was only until 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 2000. Right, there we go. Oh, <laughs> they need to wait And so what, what was interesting about this was the fact that they had thought through what direction they wanted to go to create hope for these people to be able to buy into this worldview mm-hmm. and then to live and work it out. And I was thinking, man, we have an amazing um, gospel that has an outcome that works a particular way. And we have an eschatology at hope and Christians do a very poor job of painting a gospel future. Mm-hmm. They don't paint a good gospel future. Mm-hmm. And the ones that we paint are where like the world is basically going to go to hell and burn up and we get escaped out of here. Right. But they forgot that this is the world that Jesus came to die for. Mm-hmm. And we don't paint. What does it look like when the gospel gets inside of a situation and changes? And I was like, okay, well, let us start imagining what does it look like for the gospel to have an effect in America over the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. But that vision got too big for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't work through all the, you know, you got immigration, you got uh, egalitarianism, you got over, you know, FBI, CIA, you got a bunch of problems in the federal government. So I said, well, I need to go back to where I actually have authority and control over where I can have impact. It's like, what does the gospel look like and the future look like? Um, within, within my own family the next 20 or 30 years. Like, how do I have a vision of what that could do if, we, you know, and, you know, we were talking about this. We have just lost an idea of what does it look like when the gospel goes into a place and transforms it? There is a hope there for the future. There's a hope there um, that doesn't leave people um, without work and joy in work. Mm-hmm. And I think we've we've lost all of that in our Christian um imagination of a hopeful future right and i think the challenge we constantly have is is you know a little bit like from the eschatology of the already and not yet how hopeful should i be you know what i mean so like you go to like right. the extreme charismatics where it's like you know name it claim it total hope but then hope deferred makes the heart sick but then on the flip side how do we just not be completely pessimist and so unlike the communists and the utopians we don't have a utopian vision for the future you right. know because I mean? man's not perfectible in this age so we always have that hedge whereas marx basically thought we can make a new man through the mm. through the revolution mm. we can we can basically regenerate the social order and christians we're dependent upon the holy spirit to, right. to do that and it seems like we we kind of vacillate between extremes and so you have the uh the world's going to hell and we're going to get you know helicoptered out of it in the rapture or something like that with no, so no sense of the future. Right. But then I do think the other extreme is sort of an over-realized eschatology, if you will, or just, or just plain humanism and mm-hmm. hubris um, thinking that we can plan this out. Mm. But I think a biblical faith, which is what you're saying, yeah. but, but shouldn't we be thinking about the future? Hopefully, which I think a biblical faith does give us a biblical eschatology does say um, that, um, that the the gospel is going to go forth, that the the nations are going to come to the Lord Jesus. They are going to bow the knee. They are going to confess faith. That's not a a straight up the mountain march as if every day and every, in every way everything's getting better or however yeah, the song yeah. went. <laughs> um, but but it, it does mean that like a mustard seed growing into a great tree, that's the kingdom of God. Like leaven in a loaf, it's going to leaven the whole loaf. And, and I do think then um, there are... Um, passages in scripture that invite families in particular Mm. to think about the future and to think about the future optimistically. I mean, otherwise what is the point of the covenant promises that say these are for your, you and for your children, Mm. these are for you and for your children for a thousand generations. If, if, you know, we 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 can barely think about one generation, um, much, much less, um, you know, a thousand generations. 
Um, and, and so there's invitations, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the, the godly man, the wise man, um, leaves a inheritance yeah, for right, his children right. and his children's children. Right. Um, so, so at the very least, we are called by God to be storing up gifts for grandkids. Right. At the very, I mean, like the very least. I'm glad you said because you, you should be. You should, we should be building something for our grandkids. I want you to continue on this because, and I just want to kind of shape the question: How do you think about this? Not in a socialistic, a communist, a humanistic way, but in a Christian humanism way, right? Where you're saying, okay, um, like David is gathering for his son, right, to do this. How, just for me, oh, I'm, for like the temple, for like the temple, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, for me, I'm thinking to myself. Um, what kind of things do I need to be sacrificing, sleep, work, uh, so that I become the kind of man that can instruct my son about the things he's going to face and have the wisdom that he needs to be a, a good man and and kind of shape? I've talked about this before. It's been interesting watching black America shape their kids for particular things in society to create a better culture for America totally. Not just for black people, for America totally. Okay. And we forget kind of this way of like, your kids are arrows. <laughs> yeah. How do you shape them right. into this way? But first it takes a certain kind of man. So I'm seeing the sacrifices that I need to make as a man in my development of knowledge and understanding and reading. And I've committed to myself to reading 70 books this year. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, okay, so that's a way that I'm seeing that I need right. to. But how do you yeah. continue to build? And this is where I wanted to talk about. Yeah. How do we can build? How do we build this? imagination for um, first in ourselves and then for our children of what a go- hopeful gospel looks like in a broken world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I, I, you know, I, I run around, and I yell at people about Jesus. I, th- I think it's, it begins with a, actually a vision of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. me, rightly I, ordered loves. Come I, on now. I, let me I, always, down I always go back to, to Isaiah six and the vision that Isaiah has of who God is. Mm-hmm. And then in John 12, um, it basically says that the vision that Isaiah had is of Jesus. So this Isaiah 6 vision of the Lord high and lifted up, and I think it really has to begin there because I think everything, we, we all know that all flows from worship. Like yeah. Romans 1 lays it out, the problem's worship. So what it's Klaus Schaub and you know the trans and all these people doing, they're idolaters. And so God's mm. hand them over to this honorable passions. And, and like this girl knows it. And, and the hard part is we're in a, just a great delusion as a culture that thinks, oh, yeah, if we just mutilate these people, they're going to be satisfied. And they know they're being dishonored. Mm. And the hard part is even how do we go to her and how do we go to other people? No, there is honor and glory for you, but it's in humility to Christ. And it's what he's done and, and recognizing who he is. So I, th- I think it really goes back to him and then intertwine with that. And we were talking about it a little bit before the show, but is creation. Uh, most Christians only have a creation theology that's anti-Darwinism, but we don't have an mm. idea of like, oh, here's why God made the heavens and the earth. I remember when I was converted for the longest time, I was like, well, if it's just heaven or hell, why why is there an earth? Right. You know what I mean? And I just kind of thought it was a spiritual thing that takes off. And until we kind of recover the first Adam, last Adam, creation, eschatology are intertwined, I think that's where like we need a robust creation theology, not just from or against Darwin. Because it's what it means to be a human being and what right. God has made us to do. And most of us don't have a clue that God made us to be men and women, to go have babies, to go be fruitful and multiply. Like That's kind of like a little tag thing that we throw in, but most people don't really believe that. And so I think that's kind of where it begins is, is that yeah. theology getting flushed out. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're, that's, that's, that's really good. I was thinking of Isaiah, actually, but I was thinking about the end of Isaiah, um, which you know, obviously is connected to the beginning and to the vision. But in Isaiah 65, um, where he, he finishes, he says, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, mm. and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Now, I say new heavens and new earth, and most people think, oh, heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. But keep reading. 
They'll be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create a Jerusalem of rejoicing and her people of joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and join my people. And the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And again, you're thinking, oh, that's heaven. No more crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die at a hundred years old. Wait, wait. There are people still dying. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. So this is not heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. This is, the new heavens and the new earth starts here. Mm. Um, and in here, God is taking away more and more sorrows, and people still die, but you're considered a young man when you die at 100 years old right? in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, but a sinner being 100 years shall be considered accursed. They shall build houses mm. and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat, for as the days of a tree are the days of my people— and my elect shall enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. Mm-hmm. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. So again, there's that's a vision of a pretty. I mean, mm. as close as I think it gets to utopian, uh-huh. but it's not because there's still people dying. So this is before the curse is finally eradicated, right? And yet the curse is being slowly eradicated. Sorrow is being driven away, but people are still dying. But they are building houses and they're being blessed in it. They're planting vineyards and they're enjoying the fruit of it, and not other people. And they're seeing even peace among animals. Mm. They're they're learning to tame wolves and and lambs and they and they and they're getting along, um which goes back to the creation thing. And so working in this world, God intends for for God's people over generations to take dominion, to basically do what he gave Adam to do in the beginning. Now that the curse has been dealt with at the cross at least definitively, it's that's being worked out in sanctification in our lives personally, but then also over generations. And and so we ought to be thinking that way. Yeah. Um, and I think my one sort of maybe an additional thought on top of that would be, and at the same time, I think part of the fact that it's it's uniquely biblical that, I mean, other than images like this, which I think should spark your imagination and make mm-hmm. you dream big and be a godly, ambitious person, there's also a fair bit that's not described I mean, and if you'd asked, you know, the Apostle Paul to describe, you know, what's the 2,000 years of the gospel advance going to look like, I I don't know what he would come up with, but I doubt he'd come up with the internet and antibiotics. Sure. And, you know. That's for other people. Yeah. Yeah. But but somebody thought of those things at one point, and, you know, Francis Bacon and other people came along and were thinking Christians who built on the legacy and the inheritance that was given to them before. So reading books and education, um, loving Jesus, keeping Jesus at the center of it. And I think at the same time, it's sort of this optimistic, it all belongs to Jesus, and then taking the gifts and the inheritance and the abilities and the opportunities you have, handing them off as best you can to your kids, teaching them to hand it off to their kids. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, having a kind of open-handedness about it, mm. um, where I think, you know, you, you know there's a— there's a way of saying, I will plan out the next 30 years that could be a straitjacket and a noose. That's faithlessness. Right? Yeah, yeah. But but there's a way of planning it out saying, at least for me, here's what I'm hoping to save up. Here's what I'm hoping to build by the grace of God and leave to my grandkids. Yeah. Because that's what a wise man does. Hoping that whatever comes next, because i got to imagine what comes next. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Right. 
Um, but I want to give them all the resources I can think of so that they're massively equipped yeah. to fight the giants in the land at that time and take further dominion of creation, whatever they face, whatever yeah. the, whatever opportunities they have. We were talking about this earlier, and I think we have to keep in mind that, and people miss this when this kind of over-realized eschatology too, they miss out on the fact that you got two paths. You got, Hebrews talks about this, you got the path that goes out and takes victory and they, they win, and you got the ones who take victory by getting their heads chopped off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some so, some some win by right. looking like they lost, and some win by looking right. like they won. Yeah. But so when we talk about winning, and we're talking about plot, plotting and and building for the future, there's two ways to this, and yeah. and either one of those are victorious. Right. Don't don't you ever forget right. that. And there's lots of things that are sort of in between. You know, yeah. it's like you might not have got your head chopped off, and you might not have gotten the promotion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you plot <laughs> you plotted along <laughs> in your job for for 50 years, yeah. and you left a little nugget for your kids, and you died and went to glory. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's you did that by faith. You yeah. made great baloney sandwiches yeah. you made great peanut butter and jelly sandwich. you know yeah. n- nothing is insignificant to god at all in all of this no. right you're doing right. it in faith and god yeah. blesses it but what i want us to remember though above all though is that there is a the future belongs to christ right so work like that right take joy in yeah. the battle build, that you have build houses and plant vineyards that's right and, and that's a bit first corinthians 15 it begins with the resurrection then he he argues therefore your labor in the lord is not in vain not in and vain. So, so what are we doing in first corinthians 15 jesus christ crucified dead buried resurrected he now has all authority under heaven and earth. We're now participating in the spirit, which will be fully realized in the new heavens and new earth. And we are putting down his enemies. And so as we're laboring, we need to be confident we're putting down his enemies. Yeah. And he's assuring us that your labor in the Lord's not in vain. And whatever, you know, I don't know exactly the context of Corinth um, and the Roman Empire at the time, but I, I imagine a little more difficult than what we had. There's probably <laughs> 30 of a meeting in a house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, yeah. and now right. look at us, we're, we're 1.2 billion people around the globe or whatever right. it is. So, right. It's a, it's a radically different ballgame. So we need to know that our labor is not in vain. And right. having that ab- – right. and so when you're a mom and you're sitting there cleaning up after your kids, you're sitting there going, is this meaningful? You're yeah. like, yes, it is. Absolutely. Like, and, and like loving my children is a good thing. And it doesn't mm. have to be this grand yeah. metaphysical thing, but it's not in vain. And yeah. we just need to be reminded of that on a daily basis because it's so easy to think the real thing – yeah, I'm a street preacher. So the street, oftentimes street preaching community is like, we're doing the real thing. Everybody else is on right. the sidelines. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's all like part of what God wants us to do is take dominion. That includes raising your children. Well, somebody like gave that. birth to Keith. Right. <laughs> no, just, somebody uh, fed well, they're, Keith. Well, that's because they're being paid. My right. parents, you know, they're, they're in laps. They weren't really spiritual. <laughs> well, Jesus, Jesus says, every, you, you, you haven't given a cup of cold water yeah. in his name yeah. and, it's, and it's meaningful. That's right. And, and so that's all seed. It's That's right. seed. That's We're right. scattering seed, and he's the Lord of the harvest. You, you scatter the seed with the Word of God on a school campus. You're scattering seed with bologna sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mm-hmm. and cold drinks of water in the middle of the night. You're scattering seed by working on your house, planting the garden, yeah. going to work every day. You're planting seed, and Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, and he's going to make that all fruitful. Yeah. Preach, and, when preach. You, and when you're being uh, confident that your labor's not in vain, you can do it with joy. You can do it with peace, yeah. and you're not going to be shrill. Uh, just kind of a side story. A friend of mine, we were preaching in North Carolina together, and he was preaching there last spring, and a girl came up to us at the end of the day, and she's like, hey, I want to let you know my, to, to my friend. He, she said, I want to let you know I became a believer last year because you're out here and people were just railing on wow. you, railing on you. And she's like, and I looked at your whole disposition. She said, I want to be on his team. Yeah. Like that, that was it. And she's like, so I got baptized over the summer. I'm now following Jesus. And all it was was because everyone's abusing him. Yeah. And he and, was full of the spirit. P- peaceful, gracious, yeah. kind. Wow. He yeah. wasn't lashing out. Yeah. And that's the type of people we need to be because yeah. so often it can divulge. Not into reflexive. A, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and, so, yeah. And it's all finishes. No, I, I was just going to say. And so when, when you're confident of the resurrection, you can go to your death joyfully. Right. You know what I mean? For the, yeah. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So we can adore these things. Why? Because Christ is resurrected. Right. And it's not, I got to get everything while I can. Right. And I need to lash out at everybody. And, and it's the same thing. I've, 
I'd say the same exact thing that your friend experienced, I think is happening in homes everywhere where moms yeah. full of the spirit are making those bologna mm. sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And dads full of the Holy spirit are patiently teaching and instructing Rich, their Rich kids up. and disciplining them in love and so on. And, and you know, what are they getting thrown at them? Well, they're getting, you know, puke on them and they're getting, right. you know, temper tantrums and they're getting, you know, disobedience. And what are they doing? They're faithfully enduring the cross that yeah. Jesus has assigned them teaching, instructing, loving joyfully. And what happens with that? The same thing that happened with the, your friend and that girl. They, your kids see that over time and they mm-hmm. say, I want that. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I love that Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love that peace. I love that joy. Yeah. There's so much to be said on that. We can even say the same thing about even our, our cultural situation. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. see, you see the tranny girl, you know, the, the girl that's, that's coming back and, and wants to be a woman again. You see the, the trannies trying to take over NCAA sports or the government trying to take over our, our kitchens. And, and, and how are you, how are you modeling Christ in that situation? Yeah. There's, you know, there's truth to be told. You laugh and you cook on a gas stove. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you make a bigger dinner, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and you hate what evil and wickedness is being done to these teenagers, That's the, right. the lives that are being stolen and destroyed. And at the same time, Jesus is risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the last thing I want to say on this is yeah. like in Hebrews, you hear it's, uh, you know, you might not see everything underneath his feet yet, right. but, but you see but, right. Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you right. see him right. Right. and that's enough to say, oh, I know how this is going to go. Right. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't kill him. And his, and is his resurrection sufficient to bring life to that woman? That's right. And we have to say yes. So right. when we're going to these people whose lives are decimated right. Right. from our culture, right. we're going in there with resurrection life. They're in Amen. a culture of death. We're going in there right. with life and right. we have to keep that front and center. Right. Like, because I feel like oftentimes we lose that, and, right. and we just need to keep that alive. That's right. Mm-hmm. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview and fellowship with other families. They provide a classical, Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com. It's time for the weekly wrap-up. Yeah, baby. On Monday, we listened to Kevin McCarthy's House Speaker acceptance speech, in which he explained that his favorite country in Africa is Wakanda. (laughs) And Chocolate Knox taught us to say, a win is a win. win We we also talked to Pastor Andrew DiBartolo. If you didn't watch the show, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, We also talked to Pastor Andrew DiBartolo from the Liberty Coalition of Canada about Biblical Sexuality Sunday. Coming up this Sunday, in fact, defying Canada's C4 bill, which attempted to criminalize biblical teaching on human sexuality. On Tuesday, it came out that classified documents were found at one of Biden's office buildings, apparently taken from the White House while he was vice president under Obama. But wait, there's, there's more. more. A day or so later, it came out that other classified documents were found in Biden's garage. But when asked about it, Biden assured everyone they were safe <laughs> next since they were right next to his Corvette. Also, I would just like to let FBI know right now that I have classified documents in my garage, also right next to my Chevy Nova. Uh, I don't really have a Chevy Nova. Is there another weight? There's more there? Is there another weight? Wait, there's more. Yeah. Don't forget that these documents were apparently found right before the last elections in November. There's more documents. But we're only just, is there even more There's another page that was found. So there's like three findings. When is the FBI going to come in and be like, hey, can we check all of your houses? Yeah, right. Uh, We just now found out about him for some reason now that. 
I don't know, the Republicans in the Congress? I don't know what happened. On Wednesday, we talked about the leave of absence of Officer Ray Reynolds from Clark County, Washington, for comments he made on our show. Oh, wow. He's currently on leave for acknowledging that there are obscenity laws on the books that he thinks we should actually uphold. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's, he just, that's all. He said there's obscenity laws and we should uphold them. A a petition with 1,400 signatures was able to scare his superiors into action. Wow. Just wait until someone says out loud that murder is a crime. (laughs) It was also beer and Psalms Wednesday, but we did cider and Psalms just for fun. And we looked at Psalm 6 together. On Thursday, we talked about the Born Alive Survivors Act in Congress. The Republicans pulled themselves up to their fullest height and forced to vote on whether you have to stop shooting the baby after it's born. If it's if it survives after being shot at in its mother's womb. 210 Democrats voted to allow doctors to keep shooting because as Representative Nadler argued, it could be dangerous to give them life-saving care. He actually said that. He also argued that it could be dangerous to breathe air. We also talked to Canadian teenage teenager Josh Alexander and his lawyer James Kitchen about his suspension from a Canadian Catholic public school. I don't What's know how so that works. Weird. But uh, he was protesting the school's practice of letting boys use the girls' bathrooms. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, so here we are at the end of another week, and I want to encourage you to laugh. Mm. When the rulers of the nations plot against God and his Christ, God sits in heaven. And he laughs. That's what it says in Psalm 2. He laughs because their plans are ludicrous. He laughs because the the plots of wicked men are like the machinations of tiny ants on a sidewalk. He laughs because Christ is already risen from the dead. Because he's seated at his right hand and the nations of the earth have been given to him and there's nothing they can do about it. The wicked are like Adonijah throwing his own coronation party hoping that no one will notice and he will glide right into the throne of his father David. But... God has appointed Jesus, the greater son of David, and he is king forever. And all the attempts to oust him are silly and impotent. Facts. So laugh at the plots of the wicked and then laugh with joy at the goodness of God. Let your home be full of laughter. Laugh at the unusual things that happen. Laugh at your own foibles and mistakes. Let your home be a little bit more like heaven Mm. where the laughter of God rings through the streets. Laughter is warfare. Laughter is joy. Laughing at the right things is faith. And laughter is attractive. Make sure your kids and neighbors know that you intend on having the best time because the gospel is true and Christ is king. Mm. So if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Monday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politic. That drop. Yeah. I hit the drop. I hit the drop. I won't even it. try it. It's just it. bad. So, uh, Keith, how's that, uh, how's that marriage thing coming along? <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like, working on it. <laughs> working on it. Mom always told me to be a good boy, but the world said I could be anything I wanted to be, which is great because I want to be a problem. No, I won't dive into sex, drugs, or gender confusion to the world. That would make me a good little boy. I will learn formal logic and adhere firmly to the concept of objective truth. I will commit myself absolutely to the authority of the Word of God and make friends with Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Chesterton, Lewis, and the U.S. Constitution. I hope to grow up and love only one woman, a woman at least as clear-thinking and rebellious in this world as I will be who knows where true beauty lies and who will never let me stop striving to be the biggest problem I can be.
I will give my life for hers and aim to have a family large enough to require specialty automobiles. We will worship in a church, unashamed of the gospel, and live in a community of families doing the same. I will work myself to the bone, providing for my family, and I will make sure my kids all fall in love with Narnia and Middle Earth, that they will all know how to think, that evolution will make them giggle, and rainbows will make them think of Noah and his archiarchy. Like I said, I will be a problem, immune to all that is hip and trendy and now. Singing songs that are centuries old, savoring good wine and great whiskey, dancing and laughing and feasting while the enemies of God scowl and glower in shelter and place. Hello, boy, the world says. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a metastasizing cancer of conservative Christian culture, devouring Marx's impotent, progressive dream and building a resurrected Western world. I want to be a stomper of stupid sandcastles, an exposer of poisonous lies. I want my life to be a monument to the trying creator God who made us all. The kind of monument you and yours will never be able to tear down. Oh, and farm. Thanks for asking. New St. Andrews College. Liberal Arts for Outlaws.